0: Happy Thursday! My name is Alexa Ace, and you're listening to Women & Music by Goldhand Girls. I've never actually met this week's guest in person, but we've been email friends for about three years now, and we were introduced by a former Goldhand Girl, Violet Folk. If I remember correctly, Violet reached out as a potential photographer for Goldhand Girls up in Boston for a Bishop Briggs concert. From there, I briefly also remember Violet interviewing Bishop, and that was one of Goldhand's first established interviews. It was the first time-ish anyone's ever said something public that I could quote, and Bishop Briggs says to Violet about Goldhand Girls that she, in quotations, loves what you do and stand for. And that might not sound like much, but damn, did Bishop and Violet make my day. The missing puzzle piece here is our guest today, Nadia Ali. Nadia Ali is a CEO and founder of Nadia Ali PR and has worked with names such as Tovlo, Mike Posner, Bishop Briggs, Astrid S, Upsall, Lova, and more. Nadia left Island Records where she was an in-house publicist to start her own boutique agency in 2018. If you've been a Goldhand follower, names such as Upsall and Lova might ring a bell. We've had them for takeovers on the Goldhand Instagram where Lova took over in Sweden and Upsall did a separate takeover while she was on tour in the UK. The thing about Nadia's roster is that each artist is actually really fucking good and to me it sounds like she has an ear for futuristic pop, which is what I'm obsessed with. So I'm crazy fortunate to be speaking with such a well-respected public relations agent and music industry professional. I have to also mention that she's worked on campaigns for Madonna, Stevie Nicks, Gigi Hadid. Yeah. She's awesome. Introducing Nadia Ali.
1: Hi, Nadia. Hi, Alexa. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to chat with you. I'm a huge fan of Gold Hand Girls and I really, really love what you're doing. Man, that means so much because we've been in contact for years.
0: I want to let people know that you really helped me get to a spot where I felt really cool and confident because I was getting all these like press releases in my emails every day. And you were like, hey, can your artist do takeovers? Or can my artist do takeovers on Instagram? And I was like, yeah, like, let's make this happen.
1: For sure. I think because of what your platform represented, especially supporting uh, women and women in music and just the whole female empowerment message behind it. I was so drawn to that. And so, you know, I worked with so many amazing, strong females throughout the last 15 years of my career. And I just knew that the artists would be, you know, just a perfect fit for Gold Hand Girls. And it was just a no brainer. And I'm so happy that, you know, we can continue to work together. And, you know, you've been so supportive of artists that I've worked with from people like Bishop Briggs and now to Upsall. And I know we're going to get into, you know, some of the artists that I've worked with throughout the years. But, you know, those are two examples of two really amazing, strong females, super talented powerhouse artists, amazing songwriters. And that really have an amazing network of strong females around them, too. And, yeah. and so, Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for being. I mean, thank you for being part of my network and allowing me to be a little part of yours. Tell me about your heritage. So actually I'm a first generation American. My mother is from Colombia and my father is from Afghanistan and they emigrated to New York in the 70s. And you know, also being an entrepreneur, working in the music industry, another reason that I do it and that is so fulfilling for me is because I knew that if I had been born in somewhere like Afghanistan, there's probably a really short chance that I'd be able to, to even go to school, to be able to work, to be an entrepreneur and to have the freedom that I have here in America. And so I'm super grateful for the sacrifices and opportunities that my parents provided for me here. And I just wanna to say to your readers and listeners that like, it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter you know, who you know or what you do or what, you're, what country you're from, like, you can literally you know go after your dreams and if you keep your eye on the prize, you can literally accomplish anything you want to.
0: Yeah, you absolutely can. And you're that person. I wanna know in your own words, Could you explain what PR is and why it's an essential
1: for the music industry? For sure. You know, what I think a music publicist is, is basically a storyteller or story translator for an artist, you know, the gatekeeper between the artist and press. And so, you know, the publicist is the one to first share, you know, a new song from an artist to a journalist. They're the first person to introduce the artist to the public and to press. And so it's, for me, such an honor to have a position like that in an artist's career, to be able to, to represent the artist, how they would like to be represented and also tell their story, how they would like their story told. And so I think that there has to be a huge level of trust between an artist and their publicist. Because the artist sometimes will speak on behalf of the artists or they'll be guiding them on how to, you know, respond to press, you know, media coaching and media training is also such a big component, I feel, of being a music publicist. So for me, I think being a publicist in the music industry is just so essential. In the early stages of an artist's musical career.
0: I caught something in that real quick. You have to prep an artist for media.
1: Sometimes you do yeah, media coaching or media training uh-huh. for a new artist. You know, it's different if you're speaking to a radio host or if they're speaking on television or if they're doing a long form text interview for someone like Spin or Rolling Stone. So I think a media coach can come in and help an artist differentiate you know who their audience is and which outlet they're talking to a lot of the times if they're speaking to a radio host on a radio station a lot of those interviews are very short and concise and so you kind of have to learn how to talk about your music or your story in you know short amount of time and so like kind of basically giving a cliff notes version so to be able to learn how to do that i think and feel comfortable doing that that's kind of the role that a media coach could play. That's one of their many roles.
0: Wow. So let's say you have an artist who is upcoming. Do they communicate to you like very vulnerably that like, Hey, this is how I want to be seen. This is how I want to be represented. Or do you have to kind of dig it out of them and be like, you know, do you want to talk about where you grew up? Like, do you want to talk about what your vision is? Or how do you know, like what to put in that short radio spot that only gets 30 seconds to display your artist to, I don't know, 30,000 people?
1: For sure. You know, I think it's a collaborative process between an artist and their team and management and publicists. And a lot of the times an artist will know who they are and what their message is in their music and what they stand for. So basically they will, you know, convey that to their team. And as a publicist, they will tell me, you know, what their backstory is, where they see themselves, what their vision is. And then as a storyteller, story translator, I translate that for them when I speak to press and also when I'm coaching an artist on how to tell their story, if that makes sense. So it yeah. does come from the artist first and foremost. In my case, in my experience, it's never been prepackaged or premeditated or pre-strategized by yeah. the label. It's always been the artist first that, envisions where they want to be and you know where they come from and just basically how to get that authenticity out Mm -hmm. in those short radio interviews or short tv spots or you know it sounds like you have to like also are you skilled in writing yes i am i do love to write there is a ton of writing that is involved when you're a publicist so anybody that is wanting to become a publicist you know you're writing every day from writing pitches to writing press releases, to sometimes writing bios. So you have to be very articulate. And creative writing also, you know, is a great skill when you're a publicist. And a lot of the times, many publicists were journalists beforehand, before they segued into PR, music journalists, or vice versa. Did you do any music journalism? So it's funny, I actually wanted to work at a music magazine, I wanted to be a music journalist first before I wanted to be a publicist. Like I had interned at a couple of magazines at first and, um, you know, I grew up loving Rolling Stone and Spin covers and I would just like, you know, read, you know, the long form stories from people from like Spice Girls to Fiona Apple to (laughs) Courtney Love and I just would like embrace I felt like I knew the artists so well just from these long-form interviews. And so I was like, wow, it would be amazing to be able to, to do that. And so at first I did want to be a music journalist, but then when I learned what a publicist does, I was like, wow, that's kind of a similar job, but you get to work more closely with the artists and get to know them more and kind of be kind of in a way like a therapist or a coach. I wanted to be part of a team in that sense and help an artist grow their career From, you know, signing to a label to putting out their first record to their first TV, late night booking to, yeah, all of that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I didn't know about a lot of that. And I actually didn't even know how tight knit you kind of have to be with the artist. Like when I think of PR, I think of outreach. I associate the word outreach and, of course, communication. Who are some of the artists that have been on your roster as an independent boutique PR firm?
1: So some of the artists that I've worked with that I also worked with at Island were Mike Posner, Bishop Briggs, and some of the new artists that I've worked with on my own it was an amazing band called Arizona, uh, another pop artist named Alma, Saina Boussey, Upsal, who signed to Arista Records. She was their first signing. And also, in addition to musicians, I worked with an incredible singer, songwriter, producer, publisher, A&R, and host of a mental health series called The Green Room. Um, her name is Ooh. Jenna Andrews. <laughs> she is one of the most inspiring women that I've ever met. And I've been working with her for a couple of years now. And she, yeah, she just inspires me every day. And I just got I chills feel- from you saying her name just because I, I admire her so much too. She does so much and does it so well. She does. And she just really kicks ass, you know, as being a female in this industry. And a lot of female producers are not really out there or known. And she kind of is like, you know, she wants people and public to know that this is a job that young girls can, you know, segue into and they could be interested in. And I think because a lot of the times a lot of people aren't exposed to it. Maybe like in college or in high school, you know, you don't really hear about a lot of these type of jobs in the music industry. You you only think of, you know, maybe publicists or an A&R or songwriters, but she kind of wants everybody to know that like, you know, you can wear many hats. You could even be an engineer. You can, you know, be a producer, like I had mentioned before, you could be a publisher. And so she, she does it all. She does it also. I think that that's like one of her exciting ambitions for her is to really expose these type of careers and how attainable they are for young females.
0: So is Jenna the only one that's like, a, I mean, she's obviously an artist as well, but is she the only one that's kind of like in the more creative side that you represent? Yeah, currently. Yeah. But I uh, think
1: I probably want to segue into working with more creatives in that sense.
0: How do you even find people like that, that are super creative or that, you know, that do everything that Jenna does from, you know, publishing to, I mean, she does it all. I don't even know where to begin with Jenna. How do you find people like that?
1: A lot of the times it's through word of mouth and referrals. A lot of the bands that I had worked with, their managers I had worked with previously on other artists when I was over at Island. Yeah. So it's basically just been word of mouth. And again, just having an amazing support system helps in the industry, having amazing mentors, you know, they always pay it forward. And I always, want to try to do that as well for women that came before me and after. And so yeah, Jenna Andrews was a referral to me from an old colleague over at Island and we hit it off right away. And we didn't realize like how many people we knew in common and we kind of had the same goals in mind of what we want to do. That's incredible. I love to hear
0: it because I kind of think that just like a personal opinion, I think that we're kind of going into this generation where So many people are becoming that creative entrepreneur where they do wear a multitude of hats. They do so well at it. The artists aren't just artists anymore. They do everything. And I think in some ways that's kind of because of the pushback from major labels. But I've always said I'm someone who's very much for major labels because I personally think it has to happen. But you worked at Island Records. Can Mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I was over at Island Records for four years and it was so much fun. You know, I had gotten my start working at Warner Brothers Records, which is now Warner Records. And when I started working there as a baby assistant, I had the opportunity and the honor to get to work with A-list divas and musicians like Madonna, Cher, Stevie Nicks. And so the bar was set so high in terms of talent and roster. And, you know, I was so I was only 23 or yeah, I think I was 23 years old and I was so excited to be able to do that. And, you know, I had amazing experience working with their teams and learning from an incredible publicist like Liz Rosenberg. And so Mm -hmm. I had done that for a couple of years and it was so exciting. And I made so many relationships and connections through the work that I was able to do with these iconic artists that I was like you know what, I would love to work at a label where they're developing artists and I would love to help break young artists since I've already had experience on the flip side working with established artists already. Yeah. And so Island Records was always on my list of one of my favorite labels when they were Island Deaf Jam Music Group. And I had actually interned for them like 10 years before I started working there, oddly enough. And so when I found the opportunity to interview at Island Records as a director of publicity, the roster that they had at the time was like so exciting, and they were just about to break. You know, they had just signed Sean Mendez, they had just signed Nick Jonas. They had just signed Demi Lovato and Tove Lo, and they signed Mike Posner, you know, after he had left his previous label deal. And so it was a really cool space to be in. There was all the synergy and, you know, an amazing team that really wanted to band together under the leadership of so many incredible as David Massey, who was the president at the time. And so, yeah, my experience at Island was so much fun. And I got to work with so many incredible artists at the time that I was, you know, a big fan of. And I learned so much being there. So to go back to your question, yeah, like these two specific labels, major labels, taught me so much how to work with established legacy artists and then also how to work with up and coming artists that want to break. And, and being able to to do both and have experience doing both was so much fun. And that gave me the ammo and experience and confidence to be able to go off on my own. That
0: is absolutely incredible. I mean, Island is one of the most iconic record labels of all time ever. And Island UK having Amy and the fact that you got there when they were signing people like Sean and Demi and Tovlo. How old were you when you first got the job at Island? I think I was twenty-eight. Okay. And so you had an intern there about 10 years before?
1: Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes, when I was in school, I was interning there. And I was like, wow, like, I really would love to do this one day. Like, I would really love to work in the music industry. And, you know, a lot of people ask, like, how do you break into the music industry if you don't have any connections? You know, you don't know anybody who works in the industry or have family members that do. And I always say that, like, interning is the best experience. Well, even, you know, some people want to major in it in college, but from my experience and the executives that I know, a lot of them say that you don't have to major in music industry in order to get a job in music. It's really about interning and making those connections and Mm -hmm. leaving a lasting impression on the people that you work with and, you know, them remembering you and wanting to hire you later on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's like what PR is about too, is, is those relationships.
0: And like I said earlier, that, that constant, you know, communication. So can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of ventured into your own independent boutique agency?
1: Yeah. So I was working at Island Records for a couple of years and I felt like I got so much experience and I got to learn how a label works and how to break an artist. You know, working with the A&R departments as soon as they sign an artist and playing new music for me for the first time, to the marketing department who, you know, strategizes a campaign and a rollout of a campaign and an album release, and the digital department, you know, who handles socials and messaging on, on social platforms. And so being able to learn so much from all these different departments and also from managers and booking agents really gave me. You know, I felt like all the wealth of knowledge that I could really do this on my own. Even when I was over at at Island, I felt like I was working kind of like an indie publicist because I worked so closely with the artists' teams. You know, most of the artists I was working with didn't have out-of-house publicists working with them. So I was doing music PR for them, fashion PR, lifestyle PR, you know, helping them, you know, during New York Fashion Week. So it was cool because I got the indie PR type of experience working in-house.
0: Can you explain the difference between being an in-house publicist and is it considered like out-of-house publicist?
1: Yes. So it would be an out-of-house, out-of-house. indie publicist that sometimes artists will hire before they get signed to a label
0: right. or
1: they'll want to hire while they're still signed to a label if they'd love extra help. You know, a lot of the times the in-house publicists there they're amazing and they, you know, already have all the insight and inside info on what the strategy would be for an album rollout because they're in meetings with all the other departments at a label. But sometimes an artist will want extra help or an out of house publicist to help with other sectors of press, you know, like like lifestyle PR or fashion press or, you know, somebody is really into cooking and wants to get into the food network. You know, there's there's so many different opportunities. And so they want somebody that can do like a 360 PR rollout for them, not just focus on music.
0: Okay, wait a second. This is so interesting. So there's something called like lifestyle PR okay
1: so like there's yes.
0: there's music PR there's lifestyle PR what goes under the music
1: PR sector I guess we, under the music PR sector that's more of the traditional music journalists that you're working with from the folks at like Billboard and Rolling Stone and Spin and you know late night bookers at Fallon and Seth Meyers and so yeah that would be more traditional music press And so lifestyle press would be basically, you know, getting to know the artist and what they like to do day to day outside of music and really diving into who they are personality wise and their hobbies and interests. And so, yeah, lifestyle publicists can do anything. Even a restaurant food publicist can be known as a lifestyle publicist, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. I had no idea. That's so awesome. I'm like baffled over here because I'm like, I want to know what converts more. Like does the traditional PR, like, you know, the late night, the billboard, does that transfer to more, you know, streams, listens, followers, or does like the lifestyle? Because again, I kind of feel like we're in this like weird generation where people want to follow people for like
1: the abnormal. It's like everyone wants to go against what is traditional. That's a really good question. And I think, you know, I definitely think that late night TV is still really great exposure to see an artist or discover a new artist performing on your favorite late night show. That's definitely always traditionally been what could move the needle in terms of selling, you know, back in the day CDs and then also translating into streams. But now because, you know, with COVID and just 2021, the media landscape has changed a lot. And so a lot of artists are engaging directly with their fans off their socials and so I think music press is still really important and I think that that should still be the foundation for an artist but lifestyle PR is kind of just another layer another component and just another asset to it. So you would definitely prioritize the music sector first? I think you should start there first yeah. (laughs)
0: So can you talk to us a little bit about the transition from being an employee to CEO? Because I mean, one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you on as a guest, because you are a female entrepreneur who did kind of go against odds and be like, Hey, I am so grateful for my mentors and my support, but I think I can do this. So you're a CEO now. What does that look like?
1: Thank you so much. (laughs) That's super, super kind. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, as you may know, because you're also an entrepreneur and CEO. You know, you wear so many different hats and you're handling so many different things than you did when you were an employee. You know, When I was a music publicist in-house at a label, I only had to focus on getting press for my artists. I didn't have to worry about invoicing or getting new business because a new artist was always assigned to me when the A&R coordinator or exec would sign an artist so the the roster was always rolling because I always was assigned a new artist being an employee at a label but when you're a CEO of a music PR firm you know you're constantly being reached out to about new artists and so yeah you're wearing many hats from being a new business development person to being the accountant to being your social media every strategist you know yeah. <laughs> you know When you're able to get to a point where you can hire staff to be able to do that for you, that's super helpful. But when you're a startup and you're doing that for yourself in the beginning, it could be really time consuming and hard to balance everything. And and on top of that, practice self-care and have a personal life. So it's a lot of work. But if you're passionate about it and you have discipline and you're inspired constantly by your work, I think it's so worth it.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's absolutely the road less traveled because it's so much more difficult. There really isn't anything handed to you. When you're sick, you got to get up, but you still have to do your obligations. But I mean, yeah, I kind of wanted to know what it looked like. And I like how you explain it as when you were working at a label, you were kind of like handed artists in some ways, but now it's on my end, I'm kind of hearing you kind of get to pick who you want to work with. And from my perspective, I love every artist you worked with. So to me, it sounds like you have a good ear. Do you think that
1: A&R is a part of your job at all? That is a really good point. And I think that in some way A&R does play a big role and, you know, having good taste in music. I'm not saying that my taste is good because that's subjective to everybody, but knowing what your taste in music is and knowing the type of artist that you want to work with. And, you know, even if it's just a brand new artist that's not even signed, but if the music is incredible and it really resonates with me, I will feel super passionate and I want to sign on and I'll, I want to work on an artist. And I think in AR and Person kind of has that same drive when they yeah. sign an artist to a label, you know, they have to really feel passionate about that artist and see that they can really have a long career and believe in them. So I definitely think that there are parallels between the two when you're signing artists to a label. And then when you're signing artists to your NDPR firm.
0: Yeah. It's almost like it's like individualized, like for your like own liking in some ways because you get to decide who you want to work with and who you think you know has that talent and who you think can get these placements and have a good partnership
1: together as well yeah, that's amazing. I think freedom is a big word that just jumps out at me right now when you just mentioned that yeah having you know, the freedom to choose to work with the teams that you want to work with the artists you want to work with the managers that you want to work with I think is so freeing and I think that's part of the reason that a lot of people decide to start their own companies in general, in any industry, because they really want to be in the driver's seat and they want to make decisions for their company and their team and trust their gut. And I think there's something so empowering about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there absolutely is. And it's cool too, because like as an individual and, you know, as an entrepreneur, again, like when you fall down, you have to get back up. And it's really empowering to watch anyone who's a freelancer or independent in any way, shape or form become something so much more because they were able to, you know, continuously get back up because they chose the route of freedom.
1: That's not an easy route. That's not an easy route. Exactly. Like, I think there's a quote that's like, every time you want to quit, just remember why you started in the first place, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just keeping your eye on the prize and just remembering why you decided to do that and freedom. Yeah. is definitely one of those reasons, at least for me as well. How do you as a PR agent help break a pop artist? So I think that there is no set formula in how to break a pop artist. I think, you know, when artists I work with and developing or new artist, you know, I put together a strategy and press plan and targets of outlets that I would reach out to. And it's all individualized and curated differently. You know, you're not going to use the same strategy for every single artist. And I think that that's super important with any new artist is, to build those close relationships with an artist and a journalist and an editor at a certain outlet because, yeah, they can continue to champion you for years to come. I think that's a great piece of advice because, again, like as I
0: said in the beginning, as a young entrepreneur in the music industry, you get so, I get so many press releases a day. And I am kind of like wondering who to look out for, you know? So do you think that it's smart for an upcoming pop artist to invest in finding a PR agent immediately? Because I want to ask that because I think that there's a lot of opportunity right now for pop, at least in my opinion. And I love that a lot of your roster is pop. I mean, I bring it up a lot, but with social media, with TikTok, it's like, we're Mm -hmm. kind of seeing so much talent right now. And I do have friends that, you know, are going viral and I want to know, like, should they be getting a press agent right now? Is that something they should be thinking about as they're continuously starting to get a lot more numbers? I mean, I don't know. I don't know, like, because you need to have a manager, of course, but at what point does a press agent come in? I guess that's what I'm asking.
1: Yeah, I think it is important if your numbers are growing and you're getting more recognized to have a press agent to kind of filter requests that may be coming in. You know, I'm sure yeah. that a lot of press folks that are paying attention to TikTok and see an artist or an influencer exploding and their numbers and streams going up exponentially higher in a fast pace will definitely reach out to the artist or the manager directly. And so I think having a publicist on board will help that process and make it a lot easier for the artist or the influencer so they don't have to worry about that part of their career as much and they can just focus on their creative. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same thing with why they would probably hire a manager to really help guide them and work on the business end of their career and not have to flag or respond to every single email or every single request and and just have a team that you trust that can kind of filter opportunities in or bring in the right opportunities for that talent, based on how well they know them,
0: man, I think that's a really great answer, because on my end, I think that you know success is delegation. So that's kind of like what I'm hearing. It's like, yeah, you should have a manager, but having a manager, having a press agent, all that is is essentially helping you focus on your craft and just your craft exactly.
1: exactly. Sometimes there are artists and influencers that do, And talent that do want to be looped in on every email and they do want to be able to make decisions or be involved in every meeting that has to go into their career or their, you know, single album cover art or their press photos or their imaging or, you know, which singles should come out first. Like a lot of the times they do want to get involved. So I think it really just depends on the artist and the influencer or talent, like how involved they want to get But like you had mentioned, like it's easier time-wise for them to focus on their craft if they have a great team that can kind of work on the business end of things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's good to hear you say that too, because I mean, I agree. I think that like I'm kind of at this phase in my life where I'm ready to start delegating and I'm realizing that, you know, you can invest in like, for example, I'm a photographer. So for me, it's like, you know, I can invest in like another computer to edit or instead I could hire an editor so that I can be on the field all the time so that I can, you know, just be focusing on my craft. And I think there are a lot of artists right now that really need that because of the convoluted world of social media. And it's kind of like you're in an ocean. I feel like once the artist like gets, at least from my friend's perspective, like once they start to get a whole bunch of numbers, it's like, you know, artists will get a whole bunch of DMs. Like, mm. um, I want to I wanna collaborate. I want to work with you. But, you know, the artist or, you know, the person who's in that spotlight is like, okay, but what's the best thing for me right now? And how do I do it? And so I feel like what I've heard or what I've seen is they won't know what's best for them or they won't know an opportunity that might have slid into their DMs because, you know, one of their videos got 100,000 views uh, and, um, and they don't realize that, you know, a press like, like what is bad press also? Is bad press a thing?
1: <laughs> that is a good question because some people say all press is good press, but bad press I think is, you know, it could be misinterpretation. It could be not fact checking.
0: Yeah, those, those type of things,
1: yeah. I think, could really... And yeah, that's
0: definitely bad press.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and maybe bad journalism, too, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that there needs to be a good, good communication on both sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a journalist that knows and has done the research on an artist before they speak to them, I think, will make the interview run way smoother. And if they haven't done the research and the questions that they're asking are not you know, making much sense to the artist. Like I can see that not going that well and I can see why a publicist will get involved and sometimes maybe have to interrupt or, you know, maybe that might be the publicist's job to really make sure that the, the journalist is provided with all the information before the interview and all the bullet points and the right facts. So I think what I mentioned before is like there needs to be a lot of communication and needs to be a collaborative effort on everyone's end to make sure that each person is getting the most out of that press opportunity. So everyone's happy and that no one is being slandered or, you know, shed light in the wrong way. And I think, again, it just has to do with communication. And that's where a good publicist comes in. Yep. It takes
0: a village. I want to talk about Upsall because we all know I love Upsall. <laughs> Upsall is i honestly i love her so much because i fucking believe in her like that is why i love her music i love her personality but her lyricism and the way that the music is drawn together she has like a unique jazz twist on it almost hindsight 2020 for example is just i don't know you have the greatest roster i love Upsall. i believe in her music <laughs> and i wanted to know i guess
1: how you found her And thank you so much. She is also one of the most kindest people you'll meet on the planet. She has the biggest heart and she is just a total sweetheart and so easy to work with and has been such a delight for me and her team management and label. And so the way that I actually found her was that, you know, I am still in contact with an amazing executive named David Bassey, who was the president over at Island Records when I was an employee there. And when he went off to Arista Records to relaunch Arista after it had gone dormant for a couple of years after Clive Davis left I visited him at the new office in the Sony building and just for support and you know I had mentioned like if there are any artists that he wanted to play for me or play music for I'd I'd love to hear it and if he ever needed any help I'd love to help in any way and support him and support A new company. And so he actually played upsol for me in one of her videos and mentioned that she was his first signee. And he was so excited. Wow.
0: She was her. his first.
1: Yeah. First signing at Arista. And so almost two years ago or two and a half years ago, and he had just so much belief and passion for her and her talent and her songwriting. And he's like, I really think she's going to go far. And he has such an amazing ear. And so I really trusted him when he was talking about her. And so he actually connected me with her and her team. And I was able to work with her very early on. And I've been with her for almost two and a half years now. And it's been so much fun to see her grow as an artist, as a person. You know, she's, I think she just turned 22 and, you know, she was, I think 1920 when I had first met her. And so, yes, she loves to learn and she's gone to performing arts high school. Like she has like musicianship in her blood. And like you said, her lyrics are super witty. And she's so respected right now in the songwriting community. She wrote, she co-wrote Good in Bed for Dua Lipa on her Dua Lipa. I'm sorry, what? I had no idea nostalgia album yeah a lot of people didn't know that and which is like one of my favorite songs on that album and she just co-wrote Madison Beer's Boy Shit I don't know if I can use that word on air Uh, yes of Um, course you can use whatever word you want thank you and And thank you Yeah, she's been working with incredible young female talent behind the scenes co-writing for them along with writing her own music so I think that she just has a really long successful career ahead of her and she has a really good head on her shoulders too and an amazing management team a really great team great label like I just think the sky's the limit for her and I'm just super honored and excited to be able to continue to work with her
0: she's incredible and the fact that she's again on your roster just says so much about you and your ear and your future so this might be weird but press is obviously what is like scene of the artist right is like it's like what is put out there um like the perception yeah because i'm like over here like can you help her get like songwriting spots like is that considered I and mean, that's not really considered press but it absolutely helps her career grow
1: yeah i don't really do that as a publicist but you know like i think i mentioned before publicists can be dot connectors whether it's connecting an artist with other artists either on their roster or other artists that they previously worked with or known before or are the managers. But yeah, in the songwriting community, I don't really do that as much, but you know, I can introduce Upsaw to somebody like Jenna Andrews and they've actually started to work together and they're songwriting together and they have really good synergy and get along really well. So in that sense, you know, when the opportunity presents itself and I feel like two people will really connect, that's when I'm like, okay, they should definitely meet and maybe they can really make good music together. That's awesome. I'm really hearing that PR is just about connections.
0: Like it is like about how you treat people and how you follow up and how Mm -hmm. you talk to them and how you receive what they say to you. How do you think that starting your own boutique
1: public relations agency has helped you move forward in your career overall? That's a really great question. So I think that starting, you know, my own agency, was scary at first. It's scary to take a risk like that and you really have to bet on yourself, especially when you're leaving a stable corporate job like I did, but it's super rewarding when, you know, you get to work with amazing talent, sometimes of your choice and a great team and it's definitely helped me grow tremendously in my career and also personally as a human. Like, you know, you test yourself and you never know how far you can test yourself and and you kind of get over all these hurdles and challenges. And you kind of develop so much as a person when you do these type of things, when you take risks in general in life. So starting a business was definitely one of those things on my bucket list that I was scared of doing. But once I did it, I was like, I felt so empowering and I wanted to just continue to do it. And, you know, I do want to continue to expand and hopefully grow the company and the roster and maybe, you know, segue into other parts of the business or other types of jobs in terms of helping to consult other females, entrepreneurs that are starting their own companies or thinking of making that move. Like I'm very passionate about doing that. And I feel like, you know, I've had really amazing mentors and business coaches that have helped me along this ride. So I'd love to do that in some capacity in the future.
0: That's incredible. I think paying it forward is also a very big part of this entire
1: industry. All right, Clubhouse, what do we think about it? I absolutely love Clubhouse. And like Clubhouse is one of the most amazing things that I don't know if it was created during COVID, but it's super brilliant. And I love that, you know, anybody can go into any quote unquote chat room and get to listen to somebody like Elon Musk speak about his take on the stock market, or, you know, you get to hear there's so many um celebrities that are on it or just entrepreneurs or you know billionaires or just anybody that you look up to or want to learn from and you're basically getting you know free advice from them yeah you that's know what it is like advice nonstop.
0: it's amazing or opinions it is it's like wait a second but i was just gonna go buy your
1: book <laughs> <laughs> exactly and then you just get like a, the cliff Nose version and a clubhouse chat from them exactly and the fact that it's not a paid subscription is like wow yeah so I love it I'm excited to continue to see it grow do you think that PR maybe will be like a part of clubhouse one day what do you mean or clubhouse a part of PR I don't know there are like real talk shows on there in the next year I think so. I think that's going to happen. I've already heard that there's some artists that are actually performing on Clubhouse. <gasps> what?
0: I'm going to do And wow. they maybe
1: put together like flyers, similar to what Timbaland and Swiss Beaks did with Versus. Oh, yeah. That they would do something similar like that with Clubhouse. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, what do incredible. you think? I love it.
0: I literally love it. Well, I'm also, as of the past year, recently obsessed with podcasts, kind of which is why we kind of started this but I mean, it just transfers over to live podcasting. And it's like, if you're in that mood to like consume knowledge or nurture your brain, you know that, yeah, you can go into your like, I don't know if it's called a hallway. I saw that on YouTube once it was called a hallway, <laughs> whatever your main like homepage is. And obviously you can kind of pick who you're following, but there are just always so many, like I just opened it and it's just like daydreaming and productive beats. So I have one where, yeah, I would love, it's like an A&R group and mm. a couple people just like played the music they're listening to right now that they really believe in. And it's like, what? It's just so internally, like, you're so close to everyone. I think it is a place for community, a place for connections, a place to grow yourself, grow your business, meet like-minded people. And without that, like, pressure of, here's the inside of my life and everything about it.
1: (laughs) That's true. You can be pretty anonymous. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to continue to see it grow. You and I
0: got to talk a little bit before we recorded and I admire you so much. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your experiences and your opinions and your thoughts and also how PR kind of works. You're the first person I've interviewed about PR at all. Listeners, I hope that if you're considering PR, this at least helped move you forward a little bit. Nadia, I have one more question for you and it's one I ask all my guests, but Mm -hmm. what is your gold moment? And for me, that is just like a pinch me moment. Like, I cannot believe this is happening. I'm so proud of myself.
1: Oh, I love that question. And I mean, I've had so many gold pinch me moments just in my life in general. Like I'm so grateful. Like gratitude is such a big component of my life and what helps me continue to keep going. And yeah, staying grateful, I think helps you know, blessings to continue to come into your life and, you know, not to get all metaphysical and (laughs) law of attraction-ish, but a couple of gold moments that I'll mention is first being able to, you know, go to the Grammys and walk the red carpet with a Grammy nominated artist and, You know, watching the show as a kid and always wanting to watch the pre-show and to see what every artist is wearing and that's nominated and what they say in interviews is always super exciting for me. So to be able to go and be part of that was just so full circle moment for me. And another pinch me moment, I would say, is just in general, like being able to work on Madonna's team and, you know, meeting her and getting to know her and, yeah. her TV and how they worked, you know, I think that she's one of the most iconic people of all time, not only iconic musicians. And so she was one of my top five of all time since I was a child. So that was such a great pinch me moment. And again, I test that to Liz Rosenberg, you know, my first boss that really gave Liz. me a yeah. shot. So Liz needs to get so much praise. And all the Madonna fans know who Liz is. And (laughs) I think her nickname used to be the validator. And she is just the queen of all queens. And I love her dearly. And we're still very, very close. And she's like my fairy godmother.
0: Wow.
1: Hold on. Holy fuck.
0: First off, (laughs) Grammys, Madonna, and Liz. Yes. Yeah. Those are definitely some gold moments. Thank you for sharing. The Grammys are a dream of mine too. That's been one of my biggest goals since I was like five. The second that you know you have made it is when you get to go to the Grammys. Awesome, Nadia. Thank you again so fucking much for being here, your wisdom and your words. And our constant communication through emails over the years has inspired me for, like I said, years to come, years to come. And I can't thank you enough for just the small emails, like I said, back and forth. They've meant so much to me in a way that has been, like I said, kind of like subliminal, but overall massive stepping stones for me over the past couple of years. So thank you again. And yeah.
1: Thank you. And I'm just so excited for what's ahead. And you know, I'm one of your biggest fans and I'm gonna continue. Uh, whatever. <laughs> no, I'm gonna to continue to support you in any way. And thank you. I'd love to work with you for years to come.
0: Well, I'm just getting started and it sounds like you are too.
1: Yes. Hell yeah.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of Women in Music. This podcast is starting to mean so much to me because I'm someone who's really far removed until I'm headfirst, if that makes sense. I wanted to share a few of my favorite songs by artists that are either on Nadia's roster or have been on her roster. And this is just kind of like my personal preference because I want to start out with Upsall. I mentioned Upsall and Upsall is someone I truly, truly believe in. She's signed to Arista and she has this unique jazz twist on her pop songs. And also Upsall's not afraid to talk about drugs and partying in a way that reminds me of Alicia Cara's early lyricism. My favorite Upsall songs are Drugs, 1, two, three, four, five, Sex, and Sad Sorry After Party. But I also personally love her older music, like the entire Hindsight 2020 EP, five songs, go listen now. Next I have to mention Bishop Briggs, because if you don't know Bishop, Bishop is a powerhouse artist. Her song River has over 290 million streams on Spotify, with my favorite songs being Jekyll and Hyde and Darkseid. Lastly, Lova. I want to make sure to mention her because Lova's Swedish pop twist has kind of always had me wanting more. And I have to admit, I haven't had a chance to get into Lova's new album, Grownish, yet. But her song from 2018, You, Me, and the Silence, has found itself on my Spotify Top 100 the past two years in a row. And I listen to a lot of music, so that says a lot about Lova. Anyways, Thank you so much and stay tuned every other week as I next chat with Phoebe Fox, one of our youngest and most talented music photographers. I mean, genuinely, I think the world of her. So I'm so excited to talk music photography, February 25th.